Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Only a few presidential powers are very clearly outlined in the U.S. Constitution. One of those is the president's power to pardon. We've seen President Trump exercise his pardon power at several moments during his time in office, sometimes to much controversy. President Trump has pardoned Joe Arpaio, the former sheriff of Maricopa County, Arizona, was convicted of criminal contempt for what was described as racial profiling. Tuesday, the president continued this trend. We have commuted the sentence of Rod Blagojevic. He served eight years in jail. I just pardoned Bernie Carrick, uh, a man who had many recommendations from a lot of good people. Mike Milken, who's gone around and done an incredible job for the world. He pardoned or commuted the sentences of several convicted white-collar criminals at the center of federal anti-corruption and tax fraud cases. The list included names like convicted junk bond king Michael Milken, former New York police commissioner Bernard Carrick, and disgraced politician Rod Blagojevich, who was convicted of corruption in 2011 for trying to sell President-elect Barack Obama's vacated Senate seat. Four women with lower-profile cases were also granted clemency on Tuesday. The White House says all 11 actions help people who were treated unfairly or had repaid society. Most are white men with connections to power and in some cases to Trump himself. And notably, many of the people in this group were convicted on the same types of corruption and lying charges that many of Trump's own associates were convicted of during the Russia investigation. Trump's choice to grant clemency to this group, combined with a reported desire from the administration to issue more pardons in the coming months, raises questions about who else Trump might pardon. Among them, his longtime advisor and friend, Roger Stone. Stone was sentenced Thursday to serve three years, four months for impeding a congressional investigation of 2016 Russian election interference. Now, Trump hasn't pardoned Stone, but he left this door open when he said in an event in Las Vegas Thursday that while he wasn't going to grant clemency to Stone right now, Stone, quote, has a very good chance of exoneration. So what do a president's decisions about who to pardon say about his agenda? How unusual is it really for a president to pardon those close to him? And how much power does the Justice Department have to push back on a president who seeks to pardon for political gain? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency and what happens when branches of government collide. I'm Allison Michaels. Today's episode boils down to this. If a president has sweeping pardon powers, are there really consequences to using them? And should there be? I turn to The Post's White House reporter Tolu Olurunipa to find out. Before we get into the details of Trump's most recent actions around pardons, I want a a refresher on how presidential pardons work. What does it mean for a president to pardon someone? Under the Constitution, the president has 
almost unlimited power to pardon anyone convicted of a federal crime. It basically means that the president can make it as though that person was never convicted. It's one of the most absolute and pure powers that the president is given under the Constitution and allows presidents to, in their view, right wrongs of the justice system. Obviously, presidents have used it for political reasons as well, but that was the the intent of the founders, the president being the chief law enforcement officer of the country. He has the power to overrule uh, judges or juries who have convicted people on federal charges. So a person is sort of relieved of their legal repercussions from their conviction. Are there any things a pardon can't undo? Are there any legal consequences that remain for, for the person who's been pardoned? Well, for example, if someone is convicted on a state charge or convicted on both federal and state charges, if a president pardons someone, they may have those federal charges expunged, but the state charges would remain because the president doesn't have control over the state's criminal justice systems. There's also public and political backlash that people get from being criminals and convicted felons. That can't really be erased by a pardon. You know, people still know that this person was convicted of a crime, even if their record gets expunged, especially if it's a high-profile or public individual. And sometimes pardons actually bring more attention to people for the crimes that they are pardoned for. But for the most part, the the pardon power is pretty absolute and pretty pure in that uh, a president pardoning someone makes it almost as as if that person was never convicted. And perhaps we should have started here, but who can be pardoned? Are there certain criteria that uh, a convicted person must meet in order to, to be pardoned? Under the Constitution, the only criteria is to have the president's support for their pardon. Now, there have been systems that have been set up over the past several decades in which these pardons have gone through, you know, the judicial system, the Justice Department, the Office of the Pardon Attorney. There's all this bureaucracy that people apply for a pardon or apply for a commutation, and it goes through the process with a lot of paperwork and eventually gets to the president's desk. But all of that is just sort of the system that's been set up to make it more um, simple for the president to figure out who to pardon and who not to pardon. But we've seen President Trump sort of blow up that process and just decide to, who to pardon uh, based on his own prerogatives. So under the Constitution, if you've committed a federal crime, you can be pardoned by the president. It's that simple. Yes. Okay. So is there any difference here between pardoning someone and commuting their sentence or offering a commutation? Yes. Uh, a commutation usually goes to someone who's actually still in prison, who's still serving uh, their sentence. So if someone's sent serving a 20-year sentence and they're in 10, year 10 of that sentence, uh, the president can commute that sentence and say that after 10 years you get out. The president can commute that sentence and say, we only want you to serve five more years. So we'll commute your sentence to 15 years. And it, sh- it could shorten the overall sentence. A pardon is separate in that it usually is more absolute. Someone who's pardoned, it's almost as if they were never convicted in the first place. So if they're in jail, they're immediately you know, allowed out of jail. Uh, while, while a commutation still leaves that thing on your record, uh, pardon does not leave a conviction on your record. And pardons can also go to people who have already served their sentence or people who were not even sentenced to any time in jail, but who have a conviction on their record. And you touched on this, but why does the president have pardon power to begin with? What's the reason a president can absolve certain people of crimes? Uh, Well, the founders put it in the Constitution. There are a number of different reasons they put it in there. But the president is someone who was elected by popular opinion and 
given those very high powers to operate as the chief law enforcement officer of the country. Uh, He's someone who's accountable to the people, and the founders believe that if he abused his pardon power, that he could be removed from office by the voters or impeached by the Congress. So there are some checks on the abuse of the pardon power, but the founders wanted the president to have the final say over people who may have been caught up in the criminal justice system, rightly or wrongly. And by giving that power to the presidency, it forms a form of a check on the judicial branch and on anyone who may have gotten the wrong end of our justice system. So just as impeachment and the voters can displace a president, the president can make sure that the Justice Department's convictions feel appropriate. Right. That was the original intent. And it's part of the reason that presidents have very rarely used the the pardon power, in part because it is sort of an absolute remedy to the justice system. And it leads to a situation where presidents can seem as if they are interfering with the wheels of justice by interjecting their own opinion and pardoning people who have gone through and had their you know, legal rights in within the confines of the system. If the president decides to go outside of that system and pardon someone, a lot of times that is viewed as a president taking matters into his own hands. Yeah, let's let's talk more about that. What do presidents typically try to use pardons for? It, it, it has ranged, but in, in general, presidents have sought to, in their view, right wrongs within the criminal justice system. So if people were convicted for something that the president felt was an unjust conviction or if they were given a sentence that the president felt was too harsh, a lot of times that has led to a pardon. Very many presidents in recent history have used pardons for political reasons, to benefit political allies, people who they know personally, in some cases even family members, in part saying that they know maybe what's in that person's heart or they know that the person was not uh, guilty in the way that the justice system found them to be guilty and for whatever reason that the pardon recipient was worthy of a second chance or was worthy of some sort of clemency. So that's how we've seen the pardon process used in the past. We've also seen some presidents try to make a broader statement about the criminal justice system. President Obama used pardons and commutations to send a message about the criminal justice efforts that took place in the 80s and 90s with the war on drugs, in which several thousands of people were actually locked up for nonviolent drug offenses. And President Obama thought that those people should get a second chance after spending, you know, 10 or 20 years in jail, that in part because the laws had changed since the 80s and 90s, that the people who are still suffering and and serving time under those previous laws should get a second chance. But more often, we've seen it used either in political ways or to benefit people who are close to the president in one way or the other. We've seen that before in history. Can you give an example? So, yes, we have seen that before in which presidents have pardoned people who are close to them. We've seen President Bill Clinton use the pardon power to pardon his brother, who I believe was convicted on some drug-related offenses. Other presidents have used the pardon power, you know, right as they're about to leave office on the last day of, of office, including Bill Clinton, who did so. President Nixon was essentially given a pardon after he left office, basically given a free pass and that he would not be convicted. So presidents have used pardons, and and it's generally pretty controversial when it happens, but it has happened with some regularity. 
Okay, well, let's talk about the most recent incident of of a president using pardon power, perhaps for for political gain. Pardons are not new for this president. He he issued quite a few in his presidency: Scooter Libby, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, Alice Johnson, several people. But what has Trump done this week? Uh, this week, he gave clemency to eleven different people. Some of them were pardoned. Some of them were commutations, and those. That group included several people who are close to the president or whose case was was aired on Fox News. This was a system put in place by the president that was very much separate from the traditional Justice Department system for deciding who gets clemency and who gets pardons. These were people including the former governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich, Michael Milken, who was convicted of Wall Street offenses about 20 years ago several other people who were close to the president or who had their cases aired on Fox News, the president delivered pardons or commutations for them. So can you just say again what these 11 people sort of had in common in terms of the crimes they committed or their relationship to the president? Yeah, a a lot of these people were convicted of crimes like corruption, lying to Congress or lying to investigators or tax offenses, Uh, not violent offenders, but a lot of offenses that are frowned upon for, you know, the the idea that they were corrupt. These are mostly high-powered, high-profile individuals, white-collar criminals, and, and the president had some nexus to a lot of these people, whether through having ties to the president's supporters and donors, several people who were close to the president in some way, and for one reason or the other were able to get their case before the president through his allies and through his supporters. And the president, in his largest set of pardons and commutations since he took office, gave reprieve to all of these people on the same day. So it's his largest set of of commutations and, and pardons. But he seems to like the pardon process, and I think he's made that very clear based on some of his actions and some of the things that he's said this week. So my question is really why? Why has he made this a part of his governing approach? What is it about pardoning people that appeals to Trump? Yeah, Trump came into office without having any political experience, not having been in Congress. And I think when he first got into the presidency, he thought he would be able to do a lot of things without having to go through Congress or just with his executive authority. And he quickly found out that Congress and other regulations stopped him from doing some of the things he wanted to do. But with the pardon power, he has that absolute power to change people's lives just with a stroke of a pen. He doesn't have to consult with Congress. He doesn't have to have anyone overseeing what he does. There's no oversight capability, really, for for Congress in this effort. So uh, that's part of the reason he likes it. He feels that he can make a difference in people's lives just by signing a pardon document. He can help his friends and allies. He can really make a difference just by deciding whether or not he wants to issue these pardons. And the absolute power that he has in this process to say someone can get out of jail is a a power that he relishes and something that he's been using with increasing frequency, especially for his friends and allies. Hi, everyone. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday. Or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
there's been a whole sort of task force created at the White House to figure out a new pardon process, to bring that process closer to the White House. What What is that group trying to accomplish? What are they tasked with doing? Well, they want to take the process away from the Justice Department. There's been a lot of complaint about the Justice Department being too slow or being too bureaucratic, and they want the process to be closer to the president. As we said, this is an absolute power that the president has, and the president is not required to go through the Justice Department to decide who should get a pardon and who shouldn't, which would mean that people within the president's orbit or people who have the president's ear in some way are able to get their cases before the president while other people may not be able to have that that opportunity. So the White House is now putting together sort of an informal group of advisors friends of the president, conservative allies, criminal justice advocates to help streamline the process and bring more recommendations for the president. There's a sense from what we've heard from talking to people close to the president that he wants to do more pardons. He doesn't want it just to be people who are friends and allies of the president, but people who are, you know, sort of serving long sentences for nonviolent drug offenses, people who maybe don't have a direct nexus to the president. The president is trying to put together this group that would help bring him names, that would vet some of these applications and allow him to increase the number of pardons that he's giving out, the number of commutations that he's giving out, while not necessarily having the Justice Department weigh in because there's some concern that the Justice Department is responsible for locking up a lot of these people and prosecuting a lot of these people that maybe they're, they would be a little reluctant to recommend that these people get out of jail or get out of prison early or with a shorter sentence than what they were given under the Justice Department prosecutions. So the new task force would remove some of the process from the Justice Department, put it in the White House, and in the words of some of the president's advisors, give the president the opportunity to sign more pardons and commutations before his election in November. So who's in charge of all of this? Who's leading that task force? So the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has taken the reins of this new pardon initiative This is the president's son-in-law, senior advisor at the White House. He is very much on board with the idea of removing the power uh, of the pardon process from the Justice Department, bringing it into the White House. And he's actually going to be reviewing cases individually before they get to Trump. So this is someone who is a presidential ally, someone whose father actually spent some time in prison and who has taken a lot of interest in the idea of criminal justice reform. And when it comes to pardons, he's going to be the last line of defense in deciding whether or not someone can get their case before the president. This is something that's unprecedented. We've not had presidential children or family members have such an important role to play when it comes to deciding the fate of potentially hundreds or thousands of prisoners. But Jared Kushner is playing that role, and President Trump is investing that authority in, in him to decide whether or not someone should get a pardon or should not. Is this another example of Trump at odds with the Justice Department after weeks of a little bit of tumult in that area? Yes, this is another area where the president and the White House are not in line with the Justice Department. We, we saw much of that through the impeachment process, the president feeling that the prosecutors in the Justice Department have you know prosecuted his friends and allies and supporters and his former lawyer. And a lot of people within the president's orbit have gone down and have been prosecuted by the Justice Department. And the president is now really trying to take the reins and control uh, some of the things that had been under the auspices of the Justice Department, in part because he feels that he can't trust some of the people within the Justice Department, some of the prosecutors who are to this day continuing to prosecute allies and friends of the president. 
But on the other hand, it, it is worth pointing out that clemency reform has been a focus of, of many administrations. And even some of the proposals from the 2020 Democratic candidates suggest moving more of this pardon power to the president, to the White House. Yes. And there are sort of bipartisan calls for the Justice Department's role to be minimized within the pardon process, in part because criminal justice advocates, including Democrats and Republicans, have said that having the Justice Department play such a significant role when Justice Department prosecutors generally try to get more time for offenders and not reverse themselves and call for commutations in less time. The broader idea is that there are calls by some in the criminal justice community to remove the sort of piecemeal one-by-one process that pardons have been and have a more blanketed process where if someone was convicted on a nonviolent drug crime and got a very lengthy sentence, that many people who fall into that category, and a lot of those laws have changed since then, but people who are still caught up in the previous laws and the previous tough-on-crime era, that those people would be able to get their commutation uh, appeals heard en masse. And if a president or if a presidential candidate supported the idea of pushing forward with a broader take on commutations, then you could get some of those thousands of pending appeals through the process more quickly. All right. Right now, it's Thursday. One big potential pardon kind of hanging over the news cycle right now is the potential pardon of Roger Stone. He was sentenced to 40 months in prison for impeding a congressional investigation of Russian interference in the 2016 election. Now, early Thursday, Trump had retweeted this clip from Tucker Carlson implying that he might pardon Stone. And we've seen other signals coming out of the White House implying that he might, in fact, pardon Stone. And to put this in some more context, Trump has seemingly already interfered in the Justice Department's sentencing recommendation for Stone, which raised a lot of questions about this relationship between the president and the Justice Department in this particular case. So what does the potential pardon of Stone mean for that Trump-DOJ relationship? Well, this is an ally of the president who was just convicted, not someone who served their time or served a lot of time in jail. There are already recommendations that people should not get pardons who have not served any portion of their time, especially right after they were convicted. So if the president moves forward with a pardon for Stone, it would be a slap in the face to the prosecutors who prosecuted Stone for what they considered pretty significant crimes of lying to investigators, witness intimidation, and obstructing a, a congressional investigation. It would be a slap in the face of the the judge who just decided to give Stone 40 months in prison in her terms. It was a very serious crime that he committed, and it, she felt that it was that he had not shown the level of remorse or seriousness about the, the case that he should. And it would be a sign that the president feels unbound after his impeachment to really make his feelings known about whether or not his friend and ally should spend any time in jail. And Democrats would definitely be very concerned if the president were to move forward with a pardon of someone who not only had a, a, a conviction for lying to Congress, but it's a conviction that is related to the president's own political standing. This is someone who lied to Congress about his involvement in the 2016 campaign, which President Trump was involved with directly. So this would be a pretty significant pardon, and it would lead to a lot of backlash. But the president, as you said, has been putting forward some signals that he may be ready to do this. Well, 
we've talked about the ways that it might be beneficial for a president to have more pardon power, but are there protections within the DOJ to prevent presidents from issuing pardons for a political game? There are protections within the Justice Department because there is an office of the pardon attorney who is responsible for reviewing applications, really trying to take this out of the political process and have it be uh, something run by career officials, run by bureaucrats, people who do not have a political agenda. But if the president decides to overrule the pardon attorney or to not even allow the pardon attorney to review various cases, that makes it much harder for the Justice Department processes and systems that are in place to remove this from a political process to have a say. It it makes it much easier for the president to just decide based on politics or based on his own feelings who to pardon and who to not give a pardon to. And that is one of the concerns that we've heard about this new system that the White House is setting up is that some of these guardrails that that are in place within the Justice Department could be removed if the president decides that he does not want to cede any power to the Justice Department and wants to make his own decisions when it comes to pardons. And if the president decides to pardon Roger Stone, who just was recently convicted, then it would further sort of dismantle those guardrails that were currently in place. Are there risks in a president pardoning not only people who are perceived to be his friends, as as we've talked about, but perhaps more importantly, people who are convicted of crimes related to his own campaign. There are definitely political risks. There's not so much of a legal risk at this point. The president has already been impeached. There's no sense that he would be impeached again, even if he uses his pardon power in ways that are seen as protecting himself politically. But there are political risks that President Trump campaigned and saying he was going to drain the swamp and remove uh, a lot of the corruption from Washington, Democrats could very clearly make the case that by pardoning a friend in a case that's related to his own political and legal standing, the president is adding to the sense of corruption, adding to the sense that if you're a friend of the president, if you defend the president, if you protect him, even by lying to Congress or obstructing Congress or tampering with witnesses, that you can get a pardon and you can get support from the president. And it would give Democrats ammunition to say that President Trump feels that he's above the law. So that is the biggest risk that the president faces as he weighs whether or not to uh, pardon Roger Stone. But it's not clear yet that the president feels that that risk is, is one that's worth heeding. I want to say this again, just to be clear, that the president has not said that he will, in fact, pardon Stone. But he he's indicated that it's not off the table, which means it's not too far of a leap to consider whether perhaps pardoning Stone could set up an unspoken understanding for some Trump allies that if they act illegally to benefit Trump's campaign, the president will pardon away their crimes at the end of it all. Yeah. The idea of pardoning Roger Stone even though he was only recently convicted, even though he was convicted of lying to Congress, witness intimidation, and obstructing a congressional investigation that was at its heart looking at whether or not President Trump's campaign colluded with Russia in 2016, would send a message that people who continue to remain friends of the president, people continue to protect the president, even to the point of committing a crime, do get the president's support and can get a get-out-of-jail-free card from the president. And one way to compare this is to look at the president's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, who is currently in prison, in part because he did not continue to stand up for the president. He decided to tell Congress his own story that did not line up with anything that would support the president. He 
first lied to Congress and then admitted that he had lied and said he was trying to defend the president. And when he finally told the truth, it was very unflattering to the president and it made the president look bad. And the president decided to attack Michael Cohen and he is no no candidate for a pardon for from the president. So there is a clear signal being sent that by sticking with the president, continuing to support him, even if it means lying to Congress, that you would line yourself up for a pardon from uh, the highest office in the land. All right, Tolu, my last question for you. What do all of these efforts around pardoning say about the way Trump exerts his presidential power in office? The president likes to have absolute power. When he has uh, absolute power, when he can use executive authority, he uses it without much regard for norms or history or political consideration from people who say that you should not push the, the envelope when it comes to presidential power. The president, especially in the wake of his impeachment, is pushing the limits of presidential power and wants to do that as much as possible. And he likes the fact that by using the pardon power, he is able to flex his presidential muscles without anyone being able to say, you can't do this, or Congress is going to stop you, or there are regulations that say you can do X, but you can't do Y. The president realizes that when it comes to pardons, when it comes to using his executive clemency authority, there are a few things that can be done to to stop him. And that's part of the reason that he is moving this process closer to the White House, where he could use it more regularly without any interference from the Justice Department. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? As we head deeper into the 2020 election season, we want to hear from you, our listeners, about what pressing questions you have during this campaign cycle. What moments or actions feel like they're breaking precedent? How does this election season seem different from elections in the past? We're open to whatever you're wondering about, so don't hold back. Submit your questions at this link, wapo.st slash 2020questions. That's wapo.st slash 2020 questions. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Carol Alderman and Ariel Plotnick, with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.